Now, if you're a rational person, you might be thinking, what's the connection between clapping and chains falling off? Well, that was the same question that Naaman was asking about being healed of his leprosy. You know, what's the connection? What's the connection between going into that dirty river, the Jordan, versus the clean rivers up where I live? And it's all a matter of obedience. It's all a matter of obedience. Obedience is a manifestation of faith. And when God says, listen, do it this way. Walk around the city for seven days. And on the seventh day, walk around seven times. And now shout, what? Shout, what? Shout, why? Just do it. Just do it. Just do it. The wisdom of God is greater. It's greater. It's greater. Not only that, the foolishness of God is greater than the wisdom of men. That means the lowest things of God are higher than the highest things of men. And that's what God wants to display. And the accusation of the enemy is nobody's buying into this. He's saying nobody's buying into it. I was in heaven. I didn't buy into it. And none of these people are buying into it. And the Lord is saying, listen, I'll raise up a people. You watch. They're going to buy into it. They're going to believe. And they're going to they're gonna tread on your head because of that obedience. This is what it's really about. So, Father, we choose today to, to walk in obedience. We choose today to believe through the simplicity of lifting up our voice and worshiping you, of honoring you with our lips, through clapping our hands, through shouting, through dancing, that something of the invisible kingdom of God will come into this realm. Hallelujah. Well, if you're visiting here at a Spruce Grove Community Church, we are looking for manifestations of God. We are hungering and thirsting that the chains would be broken. So we're looking for ways to connect with God. That's what this morning's about. It's not here for a little bit of, you know, a little sermonette. We're not here for a little, let me sing my favorite Christian tune. We're here to say, God, we need you more than anything. So if you're visiting, welcome. Join us in our worship. All across the world this morning, in hundreds of languages, the name of Jesus is being articulated. I saw an article this morning called Tim Hortons, Will It Translate? And I think it's talking about, you know, does the name of a restaurant named Tim Hortons translate into other, other languages? And it may not if it's Tim Hortons, but if it's Jesus, when it's articulated in Spanish, it is just as powerful than if it's articulated in Greek, than if it's articulated in English, than if it's articulated in Hebrew, than if it's articulated in Armenian. The name of Jesus represents, speaks, describes, articulates, crafts, it it, it carves the name of Jesus. It carves the identity of God. The name of Jesus. Keep saying it. Keep saying it. Father, show us the power in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Jesus, in the name of Joshua. 
Oh God, oh God, Jesus, Jesus, be magnified. Every knee will bow at the name of Jesus. Father, magnify your son. Now in just a second, we're going to change up. But if you're confused, and I know there are some people visiting with us, we are being trained in something the church has lost sight of. And our friend Mike Massa last Sunday, I think it was, or the Sunday before, I lost track of time. He talked about teaching his students at Christ of the Nations in Dallas, Texas, and talking to them about seeking the Lord. And it's like in our culture, seeking the Lord, you know, theologically, some people don't even understand that. Seeking the Lord. Well, I've already found Jesus. No, you haven't. He found you, for starters. And you hardly know anything about him. Whatever you think you know is a drop in the bucket. If we know, if God is eternal, if God is past finding out, if his ways cannot even be imagined, what is there left to discover? When we are seeking the Lord, it is not as though we don't know his name. It is not though we don't know some of his love. It's not as though we haven't been touched by him. It is the remaining part. We get, we get seduced into a lethargy with the part that we know that inflates us with a sense that, okay, no, I've got a handle on this. No, we don't. No, we don't. There's so much more beyond the veil. There's so much more just out of our reach. And he's saying, listen, that's a treasure that I don't give lightly. It has to be pressed into with hunger and thirst and faith and passion. And so he began to say, seeking the Lord is not singing songs. Seeking the Lord is... It is a whole other thing, and the church has lost sight of what that means. God, we're calling out to you today. Say, Lord, we want to learn how to seek you. God, we want to learn how to seek you. We want to know how to cry out to seek you with all our mind, all of our hearts. God, give us a hunger and a thirst for your righteousness. God, there are so many needs in this room. Some of you are sitting here and you need a touch. You need healing. You need encouragement. Some of you need a breakthrough in finances. But he said, if you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all of these things will be added to you. It's a question of priorities. God knows what you need. And he knows that you need him more than anything. Oh, God. So this morning, we've been singing his name over and over again. And and what I saw was a snapshot through history. I saw the threat of an atomic bomb. and, and, And it was... Oh yeah, well we're gonna drop the nuke, and oh yeah, oh yeah. But it was always the threat and never the promise. And I and I, I saw decades of the name of Jesus being like, and where's the power? And when? And it got to the point where there was no more belief on the name of Jesus, and it 
I was like, eh. But then I saw the bomb start to get moved to the plane. And the threat of the name of Jesus is no longer just a threat. The power of the name of Jesus is going to begin to be displayed unexpectedly across the nation. People are going to say the name of Jesus like they always said it and boom, somebody's going to see. And it's, it's going to shock the church that it's in. It's going to shock the person who's been praying and praying and praying. Like Tyson tells me, I pray for people and nothing happens, but I keep going. I pray and I pray and I'm waiting. There's a day coming where the suddenly of the name of Jesus is going to bust loose. The bomb is in play. The name of Jesus is powerful. The name of Jesus is breaking addiction. The name of Jesus is healing. The name of Jesus is routing the enemy. The name of Jesus is mobilizing across the nations. It's going to reach the point where people are afraid to say the name. They're afraid to swear with it anymore. Because when they say that name, he shows up. Conviction over that name is coming to the earth. No more can you take it needlessly, willfully, wantonly. No more. The Spirit of God is going to come where that name is called. Conviction is going to fall. Power is going to fall. When that name is raised up, power is going to fall. And we invite that day, Lord Jesus. We invite that day. Come, Holy Spirit. Empower that name. Give honor to that name again. Lift up that name again. Holy Ghost. The name of Jesus above every other name, above every principality and power. The name of Jesus crushing strongholds. The name of Jesus routing demons. The name of Jesus healing the sick and raising the dead. So we say, let fear be silenced. Let fear be silenced wherever you dwell in the name of Jesus. The fear of men, the fear of not having enough money, the fear of death, the fear of cancer and sickness. Father, let your kingdom advance in our lives. Let every phobia be broken, be broken, be broken in Jesus' name. We are on a journey. And it's the question is, how mindful are you going to be of you? And how mindful are you going to be of him? That's the great divide right there. When every time God was mad at Israel, it's because... You're mindful of you. You're, you're living around. You're orbiting around your fears again. Your wants and your fears are dictating your posture. He says, listen, I've called you to be a royal priesthood, a holy nation. I've called you to be the instrument of deliverance for the whole world. 
And as long as you have this chicken little mentality, you're going to stay in your little houses. You're going to stay in your little safe zones. And then you're going to wonder why safe zones are multiplying all around you in your culture. Hello. We are the voice of courage for our nation. At least we're called to be. Are we? Are we? Will we be that? You know, something is coming upon a people where they're going to say, if I perish, I perish. If I perish, I perish. But it's for God, for glory, the glory of God. It's for the glory of Jesus. Be it known to you, O King. We will not bow. We will not bow. Oh, you know, we need to be polite. No, we don't. No, we don't. Please read my article, my last article. We don't need to be polite. We've been seduced by a political spirit, by, by people who excel in politeness while they stick a dagger in your heart. And we've seduced into a posture. You know, this... You think, oh, well, how does this relate to the political realm? How does this relate to the culture? How does this... It's all... At the end of the day, it's all about religion. It's all about what you believe. Listen, there's an there's a article that just came out. I, I, I'm believing for God to do great things in Justin Trudeau's life. But he's disappointed at the laws being passed in the U.S. banning abortion. And you know what he called it? He called it backsliding. The backsliders. Why? Because it's a religious posture. Abortion is the religion of death. And they're using the language of religion backsliding because it's really one religion or another. And they say ours is not allowed in the public square, but theirs is. That's how political spirit works. Read my article. A time for war. It's a time to let your voice be made known. Hallelujah. Thanks, worship team. Can you give them a a hand? Hallelujah. Thank you, God. You ready? All right. We have this man of God this morning. He's going to share. Thank you. Hallelujah. Gloria a Dios. You know, when these things happen, like Battle for Canada... And, you know, you travel and you minister and you see a lot of other different things. You can't help but question. You say, what's it going to be like? Is this going to be of God? Is this of man? Kind of a mix in between. Am I the only one who kind of wonders that? You you do. You wonder. Lord, is this going to be real? Is this going to be one that's going to really do something? Because you go to a lot around the world. And it's fun, it's nice, it's good. And you go home and you say, well, that was a waste of time. <laughs> it was okay, but didn't really do anything. Even though it was good. Do you know what I mean? It's never a waste of time, the word of God, preaching, ministry, fellowship. That's not, the, that's not what I meant. But it didn't make any impact. Um, and I, when I came, because I, I, we, didn't, we didn't even get home till Friday. So we didn't have a chance the first few days. And... And uh, I, I'm going to just be totally brutally honest. There's some, 
there's some questions about this around Canada of other moves because of what I just said. So what's, is this going to be one of those things? Is that going to be, is it going to be another, you know, guys just want attention? Is this those things? And, and this is what I've heard other pastors saying. And, and it, you can't help but question the same thing. But I'll tell you, something is different with this. There is, there is something, a well, a spring of water has opened up. If you can't sense it or feel it, then you're, then you're dull in the spirit and you need to wake up <laughs> because there is. You can feel it. You can sense it. If you're in tune with the spirit of God, you, you know what's life and you know what is of God and what is not of God. You just know it. And I haven't sensed the same... Um, and it, it's, an, it's a sense of anticipation. I haven't seen this and of excitement uh, since the early revival in Guatemala back in the early 90s. There was this sense of awe and anticipation back then that was, it was young and exuberant and, and it was life. And you just, it was like expectation and fresh. Just, it's just like, oh God, this is, I don't know what's coming, but, but I want to be a part of this. And that's what I sense in this. That's what I sense in it, is that this, there's something here. We don't know what it's going to look like yet. You know, we don't know what it's going to be or look like, but there's life in it. And it's creating something and it's bringing, and, and you know, I was, you're praying about this, a well. It's like, that's the best way I can describe it. But not old wells, a new well. A new one. A new well, a fresh water. But it, it's, you know, the old wells are still there that still are, are bubbling but it just hasn't been dug out yet. But there's a new one bringing fresh water. And it's, do you sense that? There's a sense, even in the church here. How many were, have been there so far? You know, there's about maybe half. And there's a sense, and you bring it into the church with you. There's a change here this morning, and we don't get to be at church here very often, but there's a change here than in the last several times I've been here. And it's that sense of anticipation. There's a, it's like a sense of a, 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 a baby's coming. Get ready. Get the baby room ready. Because the baby's coming. Amen. And it's, that, it's, it, it's a sense of expectation. And, oh, it's, just, it's, just, it's beautiful. I love that. I've missed that. Because there's times you go to, like Mark and I, we do a lot of travel. And, and, and we together and we go to places and oh yeah it's really great but you know it was like I don't know it was alright right Mark you know it was good it was great yeah different levels and yet but this one there's something different about it there's, a, there's that greater sense of expectation but what makes it even better is that it's here <laughs> it's, at, it's, it's at our house it's at our home amen you need to take hold of it you need to take ownership of it. Amen? Can I have an amen? Amen. amen. I want to get right into this. Praying about what to say. But in this battle for Canada and what Mario, you were, you were touching on a few things I was going to say, but you've already said them, so I don't need to. Uh, I love Mario. I've always followed his teaching because I love what he has. There's so much life on it. But he's so black and white. He just, he just hits it. <laughs> 
He doesn't mince words. And, you know, you, you, you love him or you hate him or you, or you just kind of like get offended at him, you know. And, and, but, he, but every time he says it, it's like, that's true. <laughs> how, how do you argue with the truth? And he, he said some hard things. But, the, you see, when, the new, when this new revival and, re, and refreshing comes, those things have to be dealt with to get knocked off. Out of the way in order to flow in. Can you imagine flowing into a, into a river and you have weights on you and try to swim? You're not going to make it. You're going to sink. So Mario hits some things that are weighing the church down and, and telling us time to get rid of those weights. Amen? Time to just throw them aside. Some religiosity. Some of our different way of thinking. One of the things he said is, you know, and, and this is what the Battle of Canada is. Do we love Canada enough to fight for it? Amen? Us Canadians are so, so relaxed and stuff like that. You know, we're just too polite a lot of times. Canadians, that's just who we are. You know, and, and, uh, and sometimes we're just, we're just too um, laid back. But now it's time. It's a battle for Canada. We've seen Canada slide in the last four years, like lower than I've, I could even have believed. And now it's gotten to a point where we're seeing some things happening in the spirit. Like there's a sense of expectation and anticipation, not just here at this, at this uh, time, but in Canada. We're seeing victory. It's all of a sudden rising up and you, can, you get this sense of victory that's starting to come. And a challenge has been laid out before us as a body of Christ, as a church, as a ministry, and as individuals. Do we take the challenge? That's, that's what it really amounts to. There's a new spring that's it's in our midst. We need to drink from it. We've got to drink from it. You know, when in, in, in the early days in, in the revival in Guatemala, uh, it was... The sense of anticipation. And people acted upon what was happening. And that's what caused it to grow to such an extent. Going from less than 3% of the, of the population born again. To over 55% born again spirit filled. And, and, and it was done in just a few short years. Not, it didn't take 20 years. It was a few short years. And do you know why? Because people, boldness started to rise up. Boldness started to rise up. They started to pray for it. God grant us boldness. And as they did because, and you know where the boldness came from? Because they could, that sense of anticipation. Victory is in our midst. We can see the kingdom of heaven in our midst. And it gave them boldness. And, and you could not go to a, into the city and go to a street corner and not see someone preaching the gospel. And you could not see a preacher on the corner, it didn't matter who it was, without 20 to 100 people around him. I mean, it was unbelievable. It was like, and I, this is like a young missionary coming from Canada. And I'm looking at this and like saying, am I in heaven? I, like, what is this? I've never seen. There was a hunger of people who never knew God, who never went to church, who were full of rig- religiosity. And they, were, they couldn't get enough of God. And that, I feel the same spirit, that same sense that's happening now. 
I do. It's the same spirit. It's that same spirit that is rising up. And now all we need is that boldness to go forth. That boldness to go forth. Amen? Mario, uh, I want to touch a couple other things that I thought were so key. Because some of you weren't there and I thought are so important. And he touched on prayer and intercession. Here's a church that's full of prayer and intercession. This is an interceding church. This is a church that knows how to enter into the presence of God. And that is awesome. And that was a season that was needed for the next season to carry on. But Mario made an, addressed a comment that really hit. I thought, this is so good. He says, prayer and intercession is awesome, but it doesn't mean anything unless you act on it. If you intercede and intercede and you pray and you pray and you use it as a cop-out to go out and do what you've been told to do, it doesn't really do a lot. Yes, God hears. Yes, you've touched the throne of heaven. Yes, you've maybe blessed yourself. But then God says, yeah, I heard. I'm giving you now the power and the authority to go. Oh, yeah, but my prayers were enough, I thought. I thought my intercession was enough. And Mario addressed that. He said, no. He says, it's, it's, it's not enough there. You can't just stop at your prayer and intercession in the church. You start there and you do the prayer and the intercession. And then after you pray, you get up and go. Amen? And you start to do. He made a comment, uh, um, or I don't know if it was him or it was the Holy Spirit telling me. He says, after Jesus prayed, actually that's what it was. I, I went back home and I studied, thinking, okay, what did Jesus do? Because Mario addressed this. What did Jesus do when he prayed? And every single time, he says, every single, go read it. He says, every single time Jesus went out and he prayed, it says afterwards, and then he got up and went. And then he did whatever it was. It didn't say what, what was in the prayer. But he got up and he fed the 5,000. He got up, went to the other side of the, of the, the thing and, 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 and cast out the devils. He got up and went to, to Jerusalem. And it was like a cool thing how our prayers, when we get into prayer, that and, and we touch the heaven of God, we touch the throne room of the Lord, and we get into that intercession, and God says, I heard your prayer. You've pleased me. So I'm giving you a favor. What do you want? What do you want? And then we say, I want Spruce Grove. I want Edmonton. I want Alberta. I want Canada. Isn't that what this is? Battle for Canada. I want Canada. God says, okay, I've given it to you. Okay, now go. Oh, I I thought that was good enough, God. It's in your hands now. I got that off my shoulders. God, it's in God's hands now. Isn't that what we do? It's no more. You see, this is the battle cry. The battle cry is the lifting up, the building up, the excitement, and getting it all ready so that you go out ready for the war. Amen? But God says, don't worry, I heard you, so I'm giving you the battle. I'm giving you the victory. But they still went out to get it. Amen? He talked about the Holy Spirit. Oh, He's my friend, by the way, the Holy Spirit. He talked about the Holy Spirit moving in our lives. The Spirit breathes life into our words and our actions through our faith. And the Holy Spirit, He says He's there for us. He's our friend. And He's come. Jesus says, I'm sending someone just like me. 
I have to go away. I have to go away for your sake. I have to do these things on the cross, go to hell, and come back up in victory and be seated at the right hand of God the Father for one reason, one really important reason. So that the Holy Spirit, I can send him in my place. Because the Holy Spirit, you see, doesn't, isn't bound by physical body. And he comes and he's the perfect representation of the Lord Jesus Christ. Only magnified a billion times. Because he's in the lives of each and every single one of us. And so the ministry of Jesus lives and works and dwells in us as we go. So you see, that's what gives us boldness. We don't have to be afraid because when, that, when we say, now it's time to go out, we have the power of the Holy Spirit with us. But do you believe? Because that's what drives us forward. That's what gives us the boldness. Do you believe that when you go out and you're going to share the love of Christ, when you're going to see someone who's sick, or when you see someone who, who, who needs deliverance, are you, do you not do it because you're afraid of what if? Or do you believe in the power of the Holy Spirit? So we say, no, this is moves me on. He needs healing. Hey, I've got someone who can heal you. Hey, I've got someone who can deliver you. Hey, I've got someone. And we share it. And we so often are afraid to because we're not quite sure. We don't want to offend them. And as Mark already said, time for offense is over. I read that little comment, Mark, you put in there about the LGBTQ, that they, the comments they made. And they say, this battle for Canada, this whole thing, it's really offending us. It offends us. Oh, no, they're saying things about us. It really, it hurts us and we're offended. Oh, we better stop. We better stop because we're offending somebody. No, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ will offend many. It will offend many because it's coming against their belief system. It's coming against what, what, they, what, they, what they see and, and, and it's them personally. They don't want to change. But they need it. They need it. They need it. But who are they, who's going to tell them what they need if they don't know it themselves? Who's going to come and preach? How is the Holy Spirit going to come into their lives unless there's a preacher to tell them? Amen? And we have a benefit right now that the windows of heaven have been opened to us and, and there's a special anointing and a special time right now in order for us to step out into it. And it closes very quickly. We can see through history that these windows can close very quickly if we don't act. And, and the way it stays open is us by us going out and acting on it. That's how it stays open. The way it closes is if we do not receive it and act upon it. Can I have an amen? amen? He also made a comment about we've lost our first love. The, fo- the book of, uh, or the, the, the church of Ephesians, you know, we can have all the right things and all the good programs and doing everything good, a lot of good stuff. And God says, I commend you for but we've but you've lost your first love. We need to come back to that. When I say we, I'm talking about the church in general, but also each and every individual. Amen? It's time to come and get back in love with Jesus. It's time to fall in love one more time. Amen? Amen. But there's another thing that I want to touch on. And uh, this happened to me just two weeks ago in Guatemala when my wife and I went 
couple weeks ago, and we just came back, but we need to also fall in love with humanity again. I think a lot of us have lost our love for humanity. And we've been so focused on ourselves and not focused on who Jesus loves. And that is all of humanity. Jesus doesn't just love the church. He's proud of the church because we're the ones who responded. But he loves humanity. I want to share a little. So this is the question. Do you love humanity? Do you love humanity? I was at, uh, went to Guatemala, and we had a really, someday when you travel a lot, some days are great, and other days aren't so great. This one wasn't so great. We were supposed to arrive at 9.30 at night. We arrived at 5 in the morning. So it was like a really long day. We finally get to the hotel, and uh, it's like the whole next day. And um, we get there. We get four hours of sleep. And then our ride is coming to pick us up. So I'm outside on the, you know, just outside the hotel in the city because we had to stay in the city. And I'm standing there and I'm just waiting for the van to come by, you know, from our compound and just waiting there to look. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit spoke to me. Now remember the timing of this. See, you know, the Holy Spirit prepares us. And he spoke to me and he said, he said to me, right, as clear as a bell, Kim, do you love humanity? That, it took me back because, uh, to be very honest, I've always had a love for humanity, a compassion for people. That's what's always driven me on. I used to be a, I, in, in grade two, grade three, grade four, right up to when I was 16 years old, I don't think a day went by when I didn't get into some kind of fight. I'm not joking. I was a fighter. I, was, I, I mean, I was a real scrapper, but never a scrapper to fight. I was always fighting for somebody else. Always. Like, I'd always stand up for the underdog. I saw someone, someone being bullied or someone being picked on or whatever. I'd, I'd stand up and protect them. And I'd get into these scraps and these fights. And I mean, as long as I could remember, until I was like about 15, 16, and then I got delivered from it somehow. I don't know whether I lost humanity or I just didn't see it, just didn't care anymore. I don't know. But, but I had that compassion. And, and growing up in the church, I, when God called us, I always had that hunger and compassion for people, a love for people. Always have. So it's always driven me on. So when God, when, when the Holy Spirit asked me this question, I was kind of, not offended, but taken aback from it. Well, yeah, that's why I'm a missionary. I mean, I wouldn't be here if I didn't, right, God? Right, right, the Holy Ghost, you know, and, and but I know when He asks me, and this is how the this is how the Lord always deals with me. He always asks me these questions. Always, it never starts out by going, "Hi, Kim, how you doing?" It always starts with a dumb question, you know, and it's like, "Oh man, I'm missing something. I don't know," you know. <laughs> and uh, and and he, when He said, "Do you love humanity?" It, I was taken aback, and I was, it's it kind of made me think. And I started to realize I've lost my love for humanity. Not all of it, but I've lost a big point. I've become callous towards some of it. And I, it's just like, and this is all taking place in a matter of like three minutes, four minutes. And I started thinking, you know what? I go past people now that are crippled and I don't pray for them anymore. I used to go by every time. I don't give to the beggars as much as I used to. God, you know what? Lord, you're right. You're right. This realization hit me that 
my love for humanity is, has kind of waned. And it started to, I almost started crying right in the middle of the street. And, and then all of a sudden, this, this shoeshine guy comes. And he's about the same age as me. How would you like to be a shoeshine guy in, in a po- impoverished nation when you're 55, 60 years old and that's your living? And he's carrying his little box and he's shaking. Like he's, he's like about this big and he's frail and he's shaking. And, and I figured he must have MS or something like that. that. That's like he was just like this. And my first thought, now I'm going to be brutally honest with myself. My first thought is, I don't know if I'd want a shine from him. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he probably needs the money, but I don't, I don't know if he'd do a very good job. That's my first thought. My, now, I'm not saying that was what came. And then the Holy Spirit said to me, Kim, do you love humanity? He said it again. And I knew exactly what he meant. So I said, hey, hey, I need my shoes shined. I'm still waiting. So he came down right on the street there. My wife's in the lobby waiting. And, and I'm getting my shoes shined. And all of a sudden, the love of humanity started to come back into my spirit. A, like a pouring in. His name was Chico. I started to talk to Chico. And I said, do you know Jesus? He goes, yeah, I know Jesus. He says, you need healing, don't you? And he says, yeah, I'm sick. And I prayed for him. Prayed healing over him. And he received the, 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 the impartation of the Holy Spirit right then and there. Right at that place. And I was thinking, Lord, thank you for bringing that back to me. Thank you for showing me, reminding me our love. We need to love humanity. Do we love humanity enough to where you see someone who's sick on the street, you don't know them, that you take the time out of your day to go and pray for them? It's a good question, isn't it? Do we take enough time? Do you love humanity enough to be late for a date? You may have an important meeting. You may have an important date. You might be going on a date with your girlfriend or your wife or whoever it might be. You might be going to to have an appointment. But when you see someone in humanity that needs the Lord Jesus, that needs a touch, and you have the power and you have the authority and you have the ability to give it to them, what are you going to do? Do you love humanity enough to stop and just take that time do you remember Jesus when he was, it says, on the road to Jericho and he was walking through and uh, uh, it says there was two blind beggars. We know one of them was Bartimaeus. And he was going on a very important date. He was going to the cross. He was going to Jerusalem. And he, he knew he was going and it was an important time, the most important time in his life. And all these beggars were yelling at him, Jesus, have mercy on us. We need you. You guys know the story, right? What did the disciples want to do? Keep pushing them on. Jesus, Jesus said, who is that? Said, it's nobody. That we're, we've got an important date. We've got to carry on. We've got to keep going. Je- what did Jesus do? He said, no. This is more important. And he says, bring him to me. And it happened to be blind Bartimaeus. I guess you could have called it a blind date then. Right? <laughs> Is that a bad one? Sorry. Just, they just come to me. I don't know what to say. 
Jesus had a blind date and he healed him. And he healed him right then and there. And then he carried on. I think it was more for the disciples to show them loving humanity and what it looks like. When people see you, can they see humanity, the love of humanity inside of you? Can they see that Lord Jesus inside of you? Do we love humanity enough to be rejected? It says Jesus was a man who was rejected. And he was smitten. He was rejected for his message. When he went, he would go to the, the Pharisees. He knew what was going to happen. He knew that they were going to reject him. But he still shared and he still showed. Do we love humanity enough to be rejected by humanity? Are we willing to be ridiculed? I remember my... This is how we came. And I think I've shared this story, but I'm, I'm not going to share it. But I'm going to share it. My uncle, when they got saved and filled with the Holy Spirit... Um, and it was through a tragic event. That tragic event was the loss of their, of their little boy, nine-year-old boy, Trevor, my cousin. And he was all, a few years younger than I was. But uh, he died in an accident, died in their arms. But the only one who could come and console them were a spirit-filled couple, neighbors, that came and shared Christ and shared the Holy Spirit to them. Even They were Lutherans. They, they kind of knew God, about God, but not much. But... But he turned around and started to share that same thing to us and to my dad and to our family. And my dad and my bro- uncles and our whole family ridiculed him for two years. We mocked him. We ridiculed him. We, we said, you're nuts. You're stupid. You're, you, what, that, that, that's, the, my dad used to think it's demonic. I mean, that, he, he was being sincere because he thought it was a d- demonic thing. But we ridiculed him. But my uncle didn't quit. He didn't stop. He didn't say, well, enough for them because they're ridiculing me. No, because he loved us enough to continue sharing the love of the Lord Jesus and the truth. Even even when it meant he knew he was going to be ridiculed. He knew he was going to be shouted at. He knew he was going to be lowered down. But for two years, he kept going until one day in 1978 or 77 on Thanksgiving... The Holy Spirit came into our house and radically saved us like that. We didn't, it wasn't us because we weren't looking for it. We were ridiculing him. We didn't, we didn't want this. This is the last thing in the world we wanted. I didn't want to be like my Uncle Eddie, that crazy guy. Are you kidding me? And then in like in five minutes, I became one. I go, oh my goodness. Oh Lord, we're in trouble. And it wasn't just me, it was my whole family. And it wasn't just my whole family, it was my other uh, cousins and other uncles. And then not just them, but it spread. I don't know, I could not count the thousands of people and the thousands of families that have came to the Lord Jesus Christ through that one event that day. That day. And it was all because there was a man willing to be ridiculed. Because he loved humanity. Do we love humanity? Are we willing to go out now? Are we going to battle for Canada? Do we love humanity enough to pay for it? Hmm? Do we love humanity enough? There's a parable of the hidden treasure. Parable of the pearl. There's two parables. Jesus spoke in parables. Dozens of them. 
And it, every one of them says the parable. It says the, this is says the pearl of great price could be like is like the kingdom of heaven, or the kingdom of heaven is like this. The kingdom of heaven. What is the kingdom of heaven? It says the kingdom of heaven is within you. Amen? It's, it's the Lord Jesus. And he says, this is what it is. He says, there's the pearl that someone saw and they, 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 they were searching, it says, for a great treasure. They knew what they were looking for. I liken this as us. We know what that great pearl is. We've got it. So we know the value of it. And we're searching for it. And we found one. And it says we went and sold everything that we had so that we could go and pay for that pearl. That pearl is those others. Are those others. It's humanity. Are we willing to pay for it? Are we willing to pay for it? It's going to cost sometimes. But are we willing to do it? What's it worth to us? And it says, and great will their reward be in heaven. Great will, there be, will be their reward in heaven. Amen? Another treasure was stumbled upon. Another one was like the guy wasn't even looking for it. That, that was me. I was just walking along and like a, you know, dumb kid. And, uh, and I was 18 at the time. And I was a dumb kid. I wasn't looking for it. And all of a sudden I stumbled over it and I found it. It's like, Wow. In this big field. And did you know that in, back in the day, there weren't banks. There were lenders and other things, but there weren't banks like we have today. So when people had money and wealth, they went, would usually and hide it in a field. They'd usually own a field or wherever, and they would hide it. That's literally what they would do. So only they knew where it was. It was a hidden treasure. And so when Jesus is talking about this, he says, we stumble upon a hidden treasure. We go in and we see something that's going on. It's revealed to us. Wow. So here's this revelation of the battle for Canada. Wow, we see this hidden treasure in Canada. We see this hidden treasure in Spruce Grove. And we stumble upon it. And we say, oh my, Mark, this is, I got to go. I got to go and and, and sell whatever I have so I can buy this field for the sake of this treasure. Because the treasure is worth far more than what we can pay for. Amen. Are we willing to pay for it? Are we willing to pay for it? Do we love humanity enough to be persecuted? Do you consider being persecuted more than the blessing or more than the, the going out? In Matthew 5.11 it says, Blessed are you when others revile you, persecute you, utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. We're already seeing that in the news. They're already starting to talk about it. Scary, eh? It's amazing because we're, the, we, we're there. We see it. We go, what the heck? They're already t- t- talking about we're, we're going at, coming against. No, we're not coming against. We're coming for. Amen? Amen. He says, rejoice and be glad because your reward in heaven is great. And for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. We will be persecuted when we go out. But do you love humanity enough to be persecuted for it? Amen? Oh, God, give us, give us a love for humanity. I'm convinced that the reason we don't see... I'm going to wrap up here. 
I'm convinced that the reason we don't see as many miracles, signs and wonders, we hear this all the time, and, or salvation in, within our nation of Canada than you do in other countries where missions and we send out missionaries. We hear these great reports from Peru. Wow, we just saw, I don't know what, 50-some salvations, they said, in the last week. Praise God. Heaven is rejoicing. And we say, why can't it happen here? There's only one reason. Because we didn't send a missionary team out to Spruce Grove. We didn't send a missionary team out to Edmonton or out to other places like we did here. It's just going out and loving humanity. And it, does, it, it just has to be as you go. Wherever you go, whatever you do, what's driving us forward? Amen? Amen. What's driving us forward? So I'd just like everyone to stand. I don't know if this has stirred you or not. My heart is, is I, I, I'm feeling in these last couple weeks, you can ask my wife, I came back into the lobby from when I was out in the street and I told her immediately, immediately, Lynn, you wouldn't believe what just happened. You wouldn't believe what just happened. But we need to cry out. We need to ask the Lord, Lord, give me a, a love for humanity, a heart of flesh. Let's just start to cry out for the Lord for a minute. Lord, we just pray for that part. Give us a love for Canada. Give us a love for Spruce Grove. Give us a love for Alberta. Give us a love for humanity that doesn't know you. Give us a boldness. Lord, grant us boldness that we may share your love. Grant us boldness, Lord, today. Grant us that love. Lord, change that heart of stone into a heart of flesh. And Lord, that we can make that promise to you that, Lord, we will go through the door, open door. We will go through this open window of heaven that you've provided for us. We will drink of that water. Lord, we will. Lord, we will. And if you have, if, if, if this has convicted you and you're saying, you know what, that's me. I, I've had this. I, don't, I haven't had this love of humanity. You just cry out to the Lord. Give it to us. Grant it to us, Lord. Grant it to us, oh God. Give us a love for the lost. Give us a love for those sheep. Give us a love for whom you love, Lord Jesus. Lord, we just pray that now. We just pour it out upon us. We receive it. Holy Spirit, stir us and move us. We receive your boldness, O Lord. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. You know, when Israel was given the promised land, he said, listen, here's the land I've I've given you. You know what they had to do then? They had to fight. The fact that God has given it does not preclude the fact that there's effort involved, there's sacrifice. But something else, and I I just want to push this sword a little deeper in our hearts because we've got a pretty good life here. I mean, no matter what you think is lacking in your life, when you look at the world scene... 
You've got an amazing position. We are in the top 95% of wealth of people in the world. So this is why socialism is idiotic for Westerners. You know, because they think they're going to get more. Actually, no, it means taking most of what you have and giving it to the rest of the world. Anyway, that's another issue. But Israel escaped from their condition of slavery in Egypt. And then they were facing the land, and what they saw was fortified cities and armies. And so, like, we're free now. If we go and try to take the land and get captured, we become slaves again. That fear was the thing that kept them from doing what God wanted them to do. What do you have now that you want to hold on to so badly you don't want to risk losing it? Do you have a reputation? Do you have status in the community? Do you have a a house, a company? Like, are you going to stand before the Lord one day when he says, listen, I called you to the battle for Canada to lift up your voice, but you decided to protect this and this and this. You feared losing those things, and so you did not extend the banner of freedom to those that I called you to go to. I didn't make you free, Israel, he says, just so you could be free. You are the tip of the spear for all the nations. Don't you make it about you. Don't you dare stop on the other side of the river. Get in there. Take the land. It's not about you. It's for you, yeah, but it's not about you. So God, give us the heart. That enables us to risk what's behind us, what we've accomplished, what we have. Because the enemy's been leveraging that to create reluctance in us. So, Father, in Jesus' name, we ask for kingdom clarity. Kingdom clarity. Father, in Jesus' name. Daniel was ready to lose it all. So he went into the lion's den. He, he got a pretty good post. He was in a great place. He risked it all. Huh. Those young Hebrew kids, they risked it all. They had a pretty posh position in the kingdom. Biggest thing going. Well, you know, I can really influence from this place if I don't mess it up. That political spirit can, make, can sound very wise. Well, do you really want to mess it? You know what? Why don't you just, you know, you do this little thing. And then later on, you could start to share, you know, your testimony about what you really believe. Don't make a stand that risks. That would be foolish. And they love not their lives unto death. That's the way God defined the believers of the end days in Revelations. Are we believers? Like this, this is what God is bringing us to the cross. The cross is the death to everything you're trying to hold on to. Father, 
let the sword of the Spirit penetrate deeper into our hearts and give us the passion for the things that you died for so that we could say, Lord, for the joy set before us, we will endure our cross. And people might call us names. They might call us radical right-wing extremists as they did this week in the Toronto Star. Let them rail. Let them rail. I don't care what they think. The books are being written in heaven right now. And next to your name, things are being written. What is being written in your story? How is it going to read out in eternity when your story is being made known to heaven and earth, to all creation? It's a small price to pay, Paul said. The suffering, not worthy to be compared to what we're getting here. Do we believe that? Father, faith, give us faith. God, do a new work in us, Father. God, the battle sound, the trumpet is blowing. The trumpet is blowing. The trumpet is blowing. And the soldiers of Christ are aligning themselves before the king. Hail to the king. Hail to the king. Hail to the king. Hail to the king. I don't, want to be, I don't want to belabor this, but Kim touched on something else that's so critical, and I, it, it tweaked something in me when he talked about, have you lost your compassion for mankind? When I was a child, I walked by people who were deformed, and it literally broke my heart. I just, my, my heart inside, inside me crumbled. And I, I don't feel that anymore. I'd walk, I would see people and I'd say, Mommy, why? And I just, I could feel the suffering, the exclusion from society, the fact that m- most were, I mean, it was repulsive. The kids, they couldn't play. They didn't have legs. They didn't have, their faces were deformed. They couldn't see. I, it broke me. And now I, I see them and it, oh yeah, it's tough. God, what, what did you write on our hearts when we were born that has been, has been written over? Lord, we say renew them. Renew those things. There's something in our DNA that we had that was so fresh, so alive when we were children. Some compassion, some love, some caring that sin and the world around us has eroded. God, restore. Restore your heart in us. Let those things bubble to the top. God, make us into what you you want us to be. 
When Jesus healed so many, it said, he looked on them and he had compassion. And he preached to them and he said he saw them as victims of a spirit and of a system. And he wanted so badly for them to be free. Do we see the world from the eyes of God? Can you feel their pain? God, show us what you see. Show us what you feel. There was a prophetic movie called The Green Mile. It was a big black guy who had this prophetic gift. And he started talking about what he sees. And he said, the pain. He He says, I feel everyone's pain. I walk into a room and I I feel and I see it. He says that it doesn't go away every day. Everyone's pain. I thought, that should be us. That should be us. God, deliver us from the things that preoccupy us, God. Oh, somebody didn't say hi to me. Oh, why did he get to preach and not me or... Why, why did that person, why? God, give us your heart. We've got, we are in the top five percentile of all the th- lifestyles that can be had, and we're still not happy. God. Oh. So, Lord, Let the light of the full day begin to judge us now. And what I mean by that is this. Let the light of the full day. One day, we're going to stand before the Lord. We're going to see everything as it really was. You want some of that light to shine now. Love one another this morning. Bless you.